Welcome to The Liberated Life. Get ready to free your mind, body, and spirit in business and pleasure. Now here's your host, Robin Quinn Keen. Hi, everybody. This is Robin Quinn Keen, and welcome to The Liberated Life. Today, I have a friend of mine with me, Art Geyser, and he's the creator of Energetic NLP, a powerful synthesis of neuro-linguistic programming, spiritual principles, and healing transformative energy work. He's an internationally renowned NLP trainer, executive coach, intuitive, and healer. And his unique and diverse background includes over 30 years of working with Fortune 100 companies to develop exceptional leaders and teams, 11 years as a medical researcher, NLP, spirituality, coaching, transformative and healing energy work and intuition development. Wow, Art, that's a lot. That's a lot to say. And I know from talking to you, you just have this amazing background and you've done so many things. And I know that you've studied with a lot of interesting spiritual healers and psychics and teachers. I saw something in your bio about having had two empowerments from the Dalai Lama. That's amazing too. Uh, that, that was incredible. Um, if Anybody listening, if, and, and to you, Robin, if you ever have the chance, uh, when, the, when the Dalai Lama gives a talk, it, it's, you know, he's a very sweet, wise, old man. And, um, but when he, these empowerments are ceremonies where they open things up for you. And the two empowerments I had, one is called Zochen, which has to do with enlightenment, and still working on that one. And the other one was on opening up my healing abilities. And um, the, the energies were like, knock your socks off. I mean, when he's working, it's, it's a whole different thing. I mean, he, he can tap into this incredible energies that they've developed in Tibetan Buddhism all these years that he's entitled to as the Dalai Lama to open them up. And it's quite phenomenal. I'm curious about that art. Is that something that's done in private or are there many people receiving that, that at the same time? Oh, yeah. No, yes. It was, it, it, there were many of us. It, Okay. Uh, you know, it depends where he does it, but yeah, there must have been at least a thousand of us each time. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to have a one-to-one -one with the Dalai Lama, but, but, <laughs> it, but it works with everybody at one time. I figured, but I thought I would ask because yes, right. No, I mean, I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, we hang out. We have coffee, you know, or tea. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. <laughs> That'd be cool. Well, that's that's very very interesting. I know a little bit about NLP because I have a couple of friends who are NLP practitioners and I've been around it in a few different ways over the past, I want to say four years. I don't think I knew anything about it up until then. I know you do energetic NLP, but maybe for our listeners, you can talk a little bit about what NLP is and what it does and how it does it. And then what is different about what you do? That, that's perfect. Uh, so NLP was started actually about in the 70s in California. And that was actually started at the University of California, Santa Cruz. It started right after I graduated, which later I went, are you kidding me? But, um, uh, and the people who started it, you know, back in those days, they thought that therapy had to take years. Like there's an old Woody Allen movie where he's talking to his girlfriend. And he goes, I've only been in therapy for 12 years. And I remember talking to a psychologist, wonderful woman, and going, she goes, well, I need at least five years with a person. And the people who started NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, knew that there were therapists who got magical, rapid results with people. So they started studying them 
and develop and, and tried to figure out what were they doing, both what they said they were doing, but what did they do that they weren't even conscious of? Because they would all talk about following your guts. And they, they analyzed it and they videotaped them, which back in the 70s was a big deal <laughs> uh, to videotape somebody. And, and that was the birth of, of NLP. And they were looking for what are, and one of the things that's key about NLP is, while we do work with the past, unlike psychology, that's not our focus. So let's say somebody has a phobia to something. In NLP, you would say, you have to create that phobia every, so if you have a phobia to bridges or cats or dogs, every time you see one, you have to recreate it. So we look at, well, how do you recreate it? And can you change that? Because something has to happen in your mind to create it. And, and then they started uh, developing it to looking at coding systems in the unconscious mind and, and how can you rapidly change beliefs or you literally can change grief to acceptance sometimes in one session and, uh, and just do a lot of really magical things. And I was really blessed to study with all the developers of the field. And I've been a trainer since 1985. But like anything, I realized it had its limitations. And at the same time, I started studying psychic development, healing work, and other kinds of spiritual and energy things. And I realized that there were certain things that NLP did better, and there were certain things that the other work did better. And, and at first I would keep them separate and people go, why, why are you keeping them separate? And I felt like if I was doing NLP and I did healing work with somebody like I was cheating or something, maybe because I was a trainer, I felt like, well, like, I'm cheating. Um, but then I started weaving them together and I found that there were times, let, let's say with energy work, um, you can be working with somebody's energy but maybe a deep belief is keeping that energy from being changed or the deep belief will recreate it. So I would switch to an NLP mode. So I, I, was, I was like starting to do this dance and then over the last 30, 35 years, it just developed into its own system with its own unique concepts that include NLP as, as one of the core aspects, but also spiritual principles, uh, transformative and healing energy work, remote energy work, and for people who want to, developing their intuition and their abilities to work with energies. Because one of the things that, that um, you know, there's this myth that only some people are born with, with these special gifts and they're the healers and the psychics. And the truth is everybody can do it. In fact, everybody has done it. They just don't, don't miss, you know, almost everybody will tell you that it, they had an experience where they just knew something, that there was absolutely no way they could know it. Maybe you saw somebody and you knew they were going to become, you know, uh, you were going to marry them or they're going to become a great friend or you knew to avoid somebody and, and there was no logical reason for it. So everybody has these gifts and abilities. And one of my gifts is opening those up in other people. Wow, that is really interesting. And so, gosh, you, you covered so much in that that I almost don't know where to start um, because that's like... I understand too when you were talking about, you know, do I need to keep this pure? Do I need to keep this just right. empty? And but you start to see um, areas that are not addressed, right? Or it could be addressed a little bit differently. But if or if you could fill in that space right there with what you know, so that must have been an interesting. And and it sounds like you had to give yourself permission more than getting permission, right? To, right. To integrate those pieces. Well, if I can give a funny example of it, I was teaching in Louisiana, and it was an NLP course. 
and we were working on beliefs and health. And NLP has great material on that, very life-changing. And it was towards the end of the day, and this one woman, she couldn't get to what the belief was. I mean, it was just this huge block, and it was getting near the end of the day. So I just tuned into her energy, and um, I, I experienced a lot of time, like some like words in my head. And I got that, well, both of her parents had, had died of cancer, so she thinks she's going to get cancer, but she's not. And um, so then I know this, but then I'm not, there's no way that I'm supposed to know this. So I'm trying to think what to do about it. And I go, well, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can develop beliefs. Like uh, my father died at 45 of a heart attack, and I used to think I would die young. And then I realized at a certain point that you know, that was his life and his path, not mine. And she goes, well, that's funny, because both of my parents had cancer, and I'm always, I mean, just exactly what I heard. And, you know, and, and when I started doing, calling it energetic NLP, then I didn't have to kind of hide what I was doing. Um, in the corporate environment, I do a, a bit, but, um, but that, that's a whole other story. But, uh, but you know, I have to find ways to, to, to kind of roundabout get to it. But the, but the real fun for me is when I can be really open about how it's working. And, and right. I, if I can mention one other thing, I, for 11 years, I managed a, a research lab for the University of California Medical School in San Francisco. So I have a science background, I have this corporate background. And so um, uh, I like to say I, I do woo-woo without the woo-woo. <laughs> it's very grounded, you know. Ah, that's so interesting. And I know someone else who has a, I know a couple of people who have scientific backgrounds, but who work in the same kind of yeah. work that you do. And, and that's a very interesting, I know there's a direct connection, but it also seems like a leap, right? If you're so science grounded and then you end up doing something more woo-woo, it's like, how is that possible? I realize I um, have been studying a lot of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. Right. So I'm very clear there's that science is directly connected to these other kinds of experiences that we can have in, in knowing and in the quantum field and all of right. that. It's fascinating. When I was a kid, I would have, or even when I was younger, my parents were around, I probably would have gotten in trouble with my mom because she couldn't see the connection and it would have been right. not okay for me to even be curious about it. But I am curious. You talked about remote Art, I and mm -hmm. helping people remotely, but you also talked about anybody, and we we really all have intuition. And for me, it was not. I, I've always had intuition since I was a little girl. I had very right. intuition, but in my family, it was it was it probably scared my mom because it didn't fit into her mind right. reality, right? And so it bothered her. And so if I had, oh, I knew that was going to happen, because I did, I would be like, oh, I knew that, you know, so-and-so was going to call. Like, I would just say it, and my mom would be like, no, you didn't. But you're validating that. You're saying we all have flashes of intuition. They can be developed. Uh, easily. I mean, the, the hardest thing about, in my programs, is getting some people to let it be easy and natural. And um and I found the way to do that was I just go, well, don't really read the person. I want you to pretend and just make things up. You're not allowed to tell them the truth. And then they just start reading the person amazingly. But there is a lot of programming, both societal and in families, to shut down this ability in children. And some of that is reasonable because little children that are real open to it, unless they have some kind of guidance, they can, 
they can kind of get in trouble because they're just open to all this stuff. And, and, and something that will relate to everybody listening is, you know, we, you know, we have an energy field in and around our bodies. And, um, you know, and, and, and that's physics now. I mean, you know, we know that bodies have energy fields. They can measure them. And they can't measure, well, actually, they're starting to be able to, as, as you know, but they're starting to be able to measure some of these other kinds of energies. But um, in, in the past, they couldn't. And I'll have people go, well, I don't believe in invisible energies. And I'll go, so what's your relationship to gravity? And have you ever had a sunburn? Because it's not the visible light that burns you. And, you know, and you, you don't believe in your cell phone? <laughs> it's like, can you see the, the, the energies coming off your cell phone? No. Um, so, you know, we live in a world of invisible energies, and that is science now. And, and so it's just a little extension to go, well, of course, there are Earth and universal energies that are affecting us. I mean, if everything's energy, then why wouldn't it be? But, but the point I was really trying to get to is that our energy fields get dirty, just like every other part of us. And where it throws off things like NLP, so a strength and weakness of, of traditional NLP is that you treat everything as either a product of your conscious or your unconscious mind or your body. Mm -hmm. And when you get into energy work, you realize just because you're feeling an emotion doesn't mean it's yours. You know, you pick up emotional energy from other people. And even when, when we're in the womb, so I'll have clients who go, you know, they're 50 years old and they're going, I'm anxious. I've always been anxious and stuff. And I, I've learned to breathe deeply and I can control it and it's better, but I still get anxious. And I'll look at their energy and often they absorbed it from a parent or somebody when they were even in the womb. And, and the thing is you can't solve, you can't heal the energy if it's not yours. I mean, unless you're very, very advanced, you can clear it, but you can't heal it. And because people tend to think, well, it must be me. It's either genetic or it's un unconscious or maybe um, sometimes I go, well, it's karmic or whatever. And a lot of times I'll work with somebody, if we clear energies off that aren't theirs, either the problem goes away or it gets very different. Mm -hmm. And we would say that any problem that somebody's worked on that they just can't get a handle on, uh, there's about a 99% chance that a lot of the energy of it isn't theirs. There's always some core piece that the energy is attached to. There's always something in, of you. But, um, but there's all this other energy attached to it. And, and that's what makes it hard to handle. So let's say somebody's feeling grief. We pick up all kinds of other grief energy from all kinds of people. So when people are overwhelmed with grief, a lot of that energy won't be theirs because you can handle your authentic emotions. And what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is in, in order to be liberated, it, you need to be able to find out what's authentically yours. And when you realize you're absorbing emotional energy from other people, you're getting their thoughts, their programming and, and their emotions. And when you learn how to clear it off, which is easy, you're able to, to be authentic and know what you really think rather than being bounced around by other people's ideas and emotions and then trying to figure out why you're feeling that way, if that makes sense. Well, it does make sense. I had an experience at a personal development five-day workshop like maybe four years ago where I wasn't speaking. I wasn't up in front. Somebody was sharing and I had such, like I had a complete and utter breakdown. Like I couldn't stop crying. And yeah. 
and the facilitator said, why are you crying? And I said, because it's all so sad. And she said, yeah, but it's not your story. <laughs> right. I just attributed that to me being very empathetic and in a way, empath, right? Like, except yes. I didn't understand that. Even then, I didn't really get it. Since then, you know, I've done more digging into it and I really was, I guess, absorbing it or taking yeah. it as if it were mine. And I was really distraught. And when she said that, I said, well, how do I, how do I stop doing that? And so she, she gave us, me a tool or gave the group a tool, which is basically, you know, the one that works for me is I'm in a garden, I'm a plant and I've got all these, you know, I've got all mm -hmm. these other plants, but they're actually not part of me. They're just other plants in the garden. Yes. So watering can comes over and sprinkles and dissolves all of the little you know vines that are hanging on me something like that and oh, that's great actually you know that i mean she gave us a few examples but that one i can see that and it worked for me and she suggested for people well it's probably for all people but for people who are aware of picking up yeah. other people's stuff that you just make a habit of like you said cleaning the energy and i still Honestly, art, it still feels a little woo-woo to me. Um, to be quite honest, that's a little, you know, come on, is this real? Except that I don't go in, when I start to go to those weird places, um, a movie can do that to me. I can have a reaction to it. Yeah. You're right, but that's just a movie and I know it is. But when I'm around other people, I do seem to notice more like, oh, they're having a response, but actually I'm not. I'm just feeling their response. Right. Yeah, you know, and in terms of the woo-woo, I mean, the thing is people have known for thousands and thousands of years that woo-woo is part of our experience. Yeah. And I mean, when I was researching at the medical school, and this was years ago, but there was still some of the, a lot of the doctors who thought emotions didn't have anything to do with health. That was woo-woo to them. It'd be like, you know, people talk about somebody died of a broken heart. I mean, people have known for thousands and thousands of years that emotions affect health. but it, I, I mean, I love, I mean, even when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a scientist. Well, I wanted to be a scientist and I wanted to be a mystic. I always, even when I was really little, and I, I didn't have the words for it, but essentially a mystic. And um, the, the good thing about science is it is trying to make things logical and protect the world from superstition and BS. And there is a lot of, I mean, it's not all deliberate BS, but in the world, just like, in every other world, the world of science, there's a lot of nonsense um, in any field. There's this well-intentioned desire to protect the world from nonsense, but there's also a, a huge establishment in science that just won't tolerate any of this. I mean, there's actually a, a great deal of research on energy work and on telepathy and stuff. That's very, very, I mean, some of it's not good, but some of it's incredibly impressive. And there's a wonderful book called An End to Upside Down Thinking where he, he talks, he goes through a lot of this and there'll be quotes from scientists going, well, it can't be true because if it was true, we'd have to change our ideas, <laughs> you know, which is like the opposite of science. Right. And there'll be like Nobel prize winning physicists who are very open to the idea. I mean, the more they get out there in physics, the more some of them are very open because they know that things don't fit. But um, oddly enough in Russia and the Soviet Union, there was a lot more openness to this in scientific research. And I have people from Russia all the time telling me, oh yeah, there's a lot of research done on this in Russia, but it doesn't, 
it doesn't get translated. And people are afraid to tell the truth because they won't get grants, they won't get published. Um, and, and, and like say, I, I just like people to know that there is a lot of solid scientific evidence that people do can communicate at vast differences, that there's remote viewing, that there is healing work. Um, you know, they've done studies that are very, very impressive. Yeah. That are double blind, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, so I just like people to know that it's only, you know, not that long ago, cosmic rays would have been woo-woo. Ultraviolet rays would have been woo-woo. Radiation would have been woo-woo. Cell phones would have been beyond woo-woo. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, science is, it, the logic can only go as far as, as, as what they already know. You know, and then you can extend it a little bit. Yeah. So, so to me, I'm looking forward. I think in the next ten years or so, there's going to be a lot more research done. That's going to, like, I, I worked with some Russian scientists who'd moved to the U.S. who had an energy machine that was like, I mean, it was, it was wonderful and dangerous. I mean, it was so darn powerful. You know, and and I, you know, I, I we would use it with different people, and everybody would experience it. Yeah you know, consistently. So fascinating. When you're saying that, I'm thinking back when I was a little girl, my mom read to my brother and I all the time. My dad was an airline pilot. He was gone a lot. So my mom would read to us and we had a few favorite series like, you know, the whole Hobbit Lord of the Rings series. Right. We read that multiple times. Um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe of all of Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia. But the other one, the one I'm thinking of, the, the, this is the last one. It was the Laura Ingalls Wilder series, right? The Little House on the Prairie, Little House in the Big Woods, all of those books. Oh, I haven't read those. Sorry. Oh, oh gosh. My mom, I don't know how many times we read those. And we even traveled yeah. to where she grew up and all, all kinds of stuff. My mom was a huge fan. And I always thought I wished I had been born in the day of the pioneer. But anyway, <laughs> the, the thing I was re thinking as you were talking about that is I remember as a child, my mom reading those books and thinking, they could not have even imagined in the earlier part of the story, a car, right? Yeah. And then there were cars, but they could, that was so hard for them to believe. Like, how is that even possible? So when you were talking, I was just thinking about, right, these things that we don't know that there's evidence for and there's science for, but they're so far beyond our context. Our conscious text just is not big enough to understand it yet. But it's growing, right? We're, our understanding, our ability to um, believe in things not yet seen. It's just yeah. part of our maturing as people and growing as people and not getting the answers we want necessarily, right? Like there's got to be something more, that feeling I've always had, there's got to be something more, there's got to right. be something more. And now we're finding out that there is, and it's just a matter of being curious and doing the research and finding out for yourself. Yeah. And, and, when Pasteur was doing his work and promoting the idea that bacteria were causing diseases, there were a lot of doctors and scientists who thought it was ridiculous. And apparently there was somebody in India, I think it was 5,000 years ago, maybe it was three, but I think it was five. But there's these writings and, you know, he didn't have the words bacteria and virus, but somehow he knew that there were these little invisible things and that's what caused diseases. <laughs> you, know? Wow. you know, and people thought that was nonsense for a few thousand years. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. And so this is a great conversation because it is really interesting and there is something 
here and we can all benefit from being open to understanding. Yeah. I want to ask you a couple, we don't have a lot of time. I knew this would happen because you yeah. and I before and I figured we're going to just, we could talk for hours, but I want to ask you about something that you do. You take people through processes to clear energetic and unconscious blocks. You talk about the miraculous self. So can you tell me a little bit about who or what the miraculous self is? And then how do you take people through a process to clear blocks that they may not even be aware of? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the good news is you don't have to be aware of them. The, the concept of a miraculous self is unique to energetic NLP. And it's not the same as a high self. So the high self is a part of us that just exists. What I started realizing many years ago when I'd be working with somebody, and what I'm about to say may sound to some people like, how can you do this? It's, it's, it's actually easy. But um, I'd be working with somebody and they consciously want something. And sometimes I'd be getting messages from their spirit going, I don't want that. I want something completely different. And um, I, I realized that a person's like deep human inner wisdom, you know, was often not in alignment with their spirit. And the way that, that and we, we made up a term in energetic NLP, beliefs du jour, like soup du jour. So I always like to, to let people know, I'm not saying that what I'm saying is some kind of absolute truth. This is my beliefs du jour, and, and, and it's just a way of thinking. So what I'm calling the spirit, because people use that word to mean a, a lot of things, it, it's, the kind of higher frequencies, if you will, of the non-physical self that sees the big cosmic picture of things. It sees how your, your life fits in with the whole unfolding of humanity. And what I'm calling the spirit is a lot, a lot like the perfect parent going, whatever you want, dear. Because it sees a lot of spiritual paths as being completely valid. So to your spirit, it might go, you want abundance? Well, that's a valid spiritual path. You want to struggle? Well, that's another valid spiritual path. And it, our spirit loves us and cares about our human life. But it's like I say, it's like this perfect parent going, it's your life, you know, and there's all kinds of valid things you can do. And, and what I call the, the inner wisdom or the deep wisdom is human. And it's a part of us that goes, you know, from down here, it's not all the same. So like, can we have more of the abundance and less of the struggle without trying to eliminate all struggle or difficulties in life. But the Dalai Lama talks about natural and unnatural suffering. So we try to have less and less of, of the unnatural suffering, which is a suffering that's optional, and to deal with the suffering that's just part of being a human being and aging and, you know, and being in bodies. So what we've learned to do in energetic NLP, and it's really easy, is to get people to, the first thing that we have them do is to get their spirit and their, their deep wisdom to collaborate and just set that intention and give permission and they'll do it. You know, they're happy to do it. And then in every process, then you put your, and, and then I'm sorry, when they're collaborating, we call that your miraculous self because it makes your life more miraculous. And the idea is to have your miraculous self guiding you, supporting you, nurturing you and healing you. And so anytime I work with people, whether it's in a class or an online program or one-on-one, -on -one, the first thing I do is I have them put their miraculous self in charge. So my job is to read energies and work with them both from an NLP and a spiritual and energetic level. 
But there, Maracas self decides what happens, not me. I'm guided in what I do. And again, it sounds like it'd be a hard thing. It's actually, once you know how to do it, it's easy. So that I'm not like fixing people into what I think they should be. So if I'm working with somebody and I'm giving them advice, I go, okay, this is me as a, a executive and life coach, and I'm giving you advice. This isn't the energy work. Um, in the energy work, uh, the spirit and, the, and their, their miraculous self guides what happens. In my programs, the idea is to make your miraculous self stronger and stronger and open up its communication to your conscious mind, your unconscious mind, your body, so that more and more you're guided, supported, nurtured, and healed in whatever you do in life. So that was probably a long explanation. <laughs> Very interesting. And when you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, I think it was that night that I saw you were doing a Facebook Live. I joined your group. Yeah. Tell everybody what the name of the group is. I think it's Energetic NLP, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, on Facebook. And I joined the group, and that night you were doing a spa, what you call energetic spa. Is that what you right. call it? Right. And it was, and, and so I sat on my bed, and I just closed my eyes and listened to you. And, it, and you were talking about aligning those two parts. And it was very gentle, and it was just like more of an invitation to let those two parts come together and determine what was best. I think you talked about the best or the highest or for the highest good or something. Is that right? Yeah, I usually go for just enhancement better. Okay. All right. Sometimes the highest good sounds wonderful, but it, it, it's easy to get perfectionistic around it. Like when people go the highest good, I often go, how about if it's just really good? Is <laughs> really good. Okay. That's just me, you know. <laughs> and I remember you were talking about fear and anxiety. Yeah. And letting your wisdom decide what it was going to do with those when they came up. Right. Right. Am I on track? That's what I remember. Yeah, was- exactly. Exactly. But I'm just thinking back to how supportive that felt, how gentle it felt. And like you said, I don't even know what's going on necessarily in my psyche about all of right. that subconscious I don't think I'm having fear and anxiety don't normally but I do sometimes so I was like well okay I don't necessarily on a conscious level feel that but I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in there at play and so the energetic spas you do are they are meant to are they meant to clear energy are they meant to what are what's the purpose So the, the purpose, and they'll have different topics, and for everybody, I call them spas because you put your miraculous self in charge, and then you relax and let the energy do the work. And it's because it's guided by your miraculous self, you don't have to analyze yourself, you don't have to figure it out, you don't have to go, well, my mom did this, my dad did this, or you just trust that your own deep wisdom and your spirit will figure it out. And so when the energies come in, it, it's, they, they dissolve blocks, um, energetic blocks, spiritual blocks, uh, unconscious blocks. Um, if it's programming as it gets released, your miraculous self replaces it with wisdom, knowledge, skills, and concepts from your miraculous self. And so the idea is that it, it's, a, it's a clearing, but it's also then an opening. So like with fear and anxiety, fear and anxiety are, are wonderful emotions when they, when they are appropriate. You know, we're supposed to be, there are times when, like, I, like I'm somebody, there were times I needed more fear, you know, and anybody who's not a teenager to drive, you want them to have a certain amount of fear you know, uh, and a certain amount of anxiety. 
when you attach those emotions to your miraculous self, the idea is it, it clears the programmed in fear and anxiety that isn't helpful. And then it takes, it allows you when it is helpful to then use those as triggers to do something about it. To either go, you know, I just have to trust or I don't need to be afraid of it or a hurricane's coming, I better board up the windows, you know, whatever. So the anxiety and the fear become a trigger for appropriate behaviors, not a hamster wheel that people, you know, run in. I see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So very interesting. So I want to, I know we're running short on time and you and I could talk again and I think there are plenty of topics that we could go. That'd be great. Yeah. I'd love to know about, you know, how you work with corporations and what that's been about in leadership and building strong communities or strong um, cultures within business. Yeah. I think that's uh, one of your things that you love to do. So I'd love to talk to you more about that and maybe how we use this uh, as entrepreneurs in our own businesses or to talk to you more about that. But in the meantime, how do people find you? And I know you have some programs and you've got a Facebook group. So if people want to know more about Energetic NLP, what's the best way, Art, for them to get a hold of you? The best way for them to get an experience of it is if they go to you know, www.enlp for Energetic NLP, enlp and then 10.com, enlp10.com. And they uh, they can on demand listen to an energetic NLP webinar uh, or energy spa I should say it's about uh, increasing personal power confidence and in getting into action so it's perfect for entrepreneurs and people in business my, my website they can get to go to enlp the number seven dot com so enlp lucky seven dot com will get them to my website and um, and I am on Facebook if they look up energetic NLP, but I'd really suggest the ENLP10.com takes about an hour, but you'll go, people will start uh, creating their miraculous self and they'll get to experience the energy work. And one thing that's hard for some people to, to realize is the energy work. If you, when you're listening to the recording, if you pretend it's happening right now, you access the energy. And remember a guy uh, not too long ago, he goes, he, he didn't really believe that. So he had, he was doing some other work and he was listening to it on a phone on his desk. And he goes, I wasn't even really listening. And all of a sudden I started shaking and my eyes watered and I was having all these releases. And he goes, I looked at the phone like, what the hell? You know? So, but it's not faith healing. People don't have to believe it works. I, I, I encourage skepticism. So people are just even curious about it, pretend it's happening and they'll find out. Okay. <laughs> the other well and that's very non-threatening right like and just the thing that struck me when i listened to your uh spa that one night was you said there's nothing for you to do you don't need to make anything happen you don't need right. to try to make something happen and that was very it was like oh okay well i'm open but i'm also not efforting i get the spa part because it just felt like quiet calm relaxing interesting yeah. things to consider but nothing to work myself up about. I could just listen and say, okay. Yeah, there's spas. <laughs> open when no expectations. So that's great. And the other thing is I, the people in my groups have a real diversity of beliefs, which is what I, like, I dislike going to somebody's talk and they tell me what to believe. So I, I just put out I, my beliefs du jour and play with these ideas. But I don't want people to believe. In fact, in my training programs, I make them pledge that they won't believe me. 
that they'll, they'll explore what I'm saying, not believe what I'm saying. Because yeah. the goal is always to connect more with their spirit and their wisdom, which will always be better than what anything any teacher can tell you. But in my mind, what a good teacher can do is open you up to find your truth. That's great. And I'm just sitting here thinking, there's a whole bunch more questions I have for you now. So, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we're out of time. I know my listeners, you guys want 35 minutes or less, but right. I probably went a little bit over today, but it's hard not to, because this is such a interesting, broad topic with so much application and um, so many questions around it. And, and yet so much potential here for us if we're interested in exploring it. So Art, thank you so much for being well, thank you. in life today. And let's have you come back again and we'll go in a different direction. We could do a, like a series of directions, but I know you're a guy too. You've got quite the schedule, I'm sure, with all of the workshops that you do and the training and everything. I, I would love to be back on and I will make time for it, no matter how busy I am. Uh, I, I love your, your podcast. Um, uh, I've listened to a few now, and each one was really valuable. So uh, it's an honor to be on it. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thanks to all the listeners. Thanks for being here today. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you again on The Liberated Life. And be sure to find the show notes where I'll have all the information about how to get a hold of Art. And you should definitely go check him out. And I'd love to hear what happens. All right. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at quittingculture.com.